0: Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Tonight, we've got the privilege once again to hear from Dr. Dale Adkins. Dr. Dale Atkins is the
0: student care director on the administration of Pensacola Christian College. And he brings to us this evening over 40 years of pastoral experience. And just a
1: wonderful, wonderful man. Those of you that were here this morning, you got to hear him. And he's gonna speak with us again this evening regarding this area of missions. And so would you welcome him tonight as he comes to speak for us this evening? Thank you. Take your Bibles this evening if you would please and let's find our way to the book of Philippians chapter number four The book of Philippians chapter four. It's great to see you back out this evening I appreciate the church's support for this matter of missions uh, It lets me know that, that there's a heartbeat here for what God is doing and what a joy tonight to hear the testimonies that were shared the, Answering these questions. I, I appreciate this family very much and I thank God for again their commitment to what God's called them to do Great need there in Uruguay and you know as well as I know, there's a great need around the world. And so we appreciate so much their desire to be a part of it. I just want to say thank you to the church for allowing us to be with you today. It's been a great time, I've enjoyed myself so much. This is my first visit to this church. And honestly, I think it's my first time in New Jersey. If I've ever been in New Jersey before, it's just because we drove through. I've never, never uh, visited anyone in this place before. It's been a rather brief visit, but I have enjoyed it so very much and I appreciate your hospitality. And again, we're just praying for this church. I know that you have uh, many decisions to make in the days to come, and we're praying that God will give you wisdom. I I keep up with things kind of through Mrs. Moses as she talks with her son, and uh, we hear reports from other places. So we're praying that God will just continue to give you direction. The book of Philippians, chapter number 4. I want you to look, if you would, at verse number 15. I want to talk with you a little bit this evening about five principles that are given to us in the Scriptures about what happens when we support missionaries. Not what happens with them so much, as what happens with us when we support missionaries. Look, if you would, uh, Philippians chapter 4, look at verse number 15. The Bible says for us, Now you Philippians know that also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sit once and again under my necessity, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account but I have all abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen." I want you to notice, if you would, That this church at Philippi was one of those faithful churches that stood by the Apostle Paul during his missionary endeavors. In verse number 10 he made this notice. He said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. They had supported him once, we don't know exactly what had transpired, but now here once more they were supporting the work that he was involved in. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, he says this, For even in Thessalonica he sent once and again unto my necessity. They had continually supported the work that Paul was involved in. The Bible reminds us in verse number 15 that we read a moment ago that there was a time when they were the only ones that stood with him. They were the only church that continued to support him and and, uh, help him with the missionary endeavors that God had put upon his heart. And so Paul relates to them in these verses then some things that were going to be true in their life as a result of their having supported missionaries. And I think you would agree with me tonight that we can learn some great lessons from this. We again can learn what God wants to do in my life when I'm willing to make the sacrifice to help support the work of the Lord around the world. Notice with me first of all, if you would, in verse number 17, when we support missionaries, there is fruit to our account. Did you see that in verse 17? In talking about the offering they had sent, he said, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The Bible is very clear that we will one day give account to God for the way we have served Him. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, the Scripture reminds us, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then again in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I don't think I need to belabor the point this evening to remind you that the judgment seat of Christ is not where we stand to be determined whether we're saved or lost. That's settled here. That's settled by our faith in Christ Jesus. But we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account for the way that we have served Him in this life. I'm not going to take the time tonight to go into all the details, but let me just briefly remind you that there are about three different pictures that are given to us in the Scriptures about what the judgment seat will be like. In the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 10 through verse number 12, the Bible reminds us that at the judgment seat, our life will be viewed as a stewardship. We will give account of how we have handled and used what Christ has given to us. We'll be judged as a steward, as one who's been placed in charge of someone else's possessions. We have been placed in charge of the great blessings of God, and we'll be judged for how we have used it, what kind of stewards that we have been. The Bible reminds us in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, that we will also be judged. Our life will be viewed as if we were constructing a building. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, that Christ is the foundation, and then we must build upon that foundation. And we, whether we build with gold, silver, precious stone, or with wood, hay, stubble, we'll be tried by fire and the fire will reveal it. So first of all, we found out that our life will be judged, our service for Christ will be judged as a stewardship, but it will also be judged as a builder. What, how we've built on the foundation has been laid. And then in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible reminds us that our life will be viewed as an athletic contest. And the object is that we would train properly, and that we would play within the rules. I I love sports, and I know there's one thing that's true. You can't win if you don't play within the rules. I I remember years ago, I'm a big, and and maybe this'll put me on my way tonight, but I've always been a big follower of the University of Kentucky's basketball team. I was born in southeastern Kentucky. There you go. Somebody's got their heart right tonight. (laughs) I was born in the state of Kentucky. My roots all go back to Kentucky. I pastored in Kentucky for 13 years. I mean, it's just built into you. Once you bleed blue, it's hard to do anything else. I remember very, very distinctly, I was pastoring in Kentucky. This would have been back in the 70s. It was one of those Saturday afternoons when they were playing their last home game of the season. So they were honoring all the seniors. And they were playing some team, and I don't remember who it was. Basically, they had been invited in to play the part of the sacrificial lamb that day. And as usual, because of the quality of the competition, they were beating their brains out. And it came down near the end, and there was a senior who came off the bench, didn't get to play much. They brought him in in the game. The other team scored a basket, and I still can see this clear in my mind. The other team scored a basket. This young man was left-handed. He caught the ball as it came out of the net with his left hand. He stepped out of bounds and looked down the floor. When he looked down the floor, one of his teammates was streaking down the sidelines. He saw him wide open, and from one end of the basket to the other, he threw what he thought was a pass to this kid. Well, he was so excited and so pumped up with emotion that he threw it too hard. And the ball, just like a guided missile, took off out of his hands, went zooming down the court, and boom, right through the net. Well, 23,000 people rose their feet as one and began to cheer and scream and applaud, and and the the roof was coming off that place. The only problem was there were two men, back then there were only two instead of three, but there were two men in striped shirts. They were blowing their whistle and waving it off. The problem was he was standing out of bounds when he threw it and it didn't count. I mean, as spectacular as it was, as exciting as it was, as wonderful as it was, didn't count, because he was out of bounds when he threw it. You understand the Bible says that we will be judged like an athletic contest, of how we have served the Lord within the boundaries of what he has laid down in his word. Not according to what we wanted to do, but the way that the Lord wanted us to do. So when we talk about the judgment seat, first of all, we'll be judged as a steward. How that we've handled what we've been given. uh, Given, We'll be judged as a builder. What have we built upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ? And we'll be judged as an athlete. Have we played within the rules? Have we trained and prepared ourselves to do what God has called us to do? In the book of Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 19, the Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, for what is our hope, now listen, or joy or crown of rejoicing? That brings us back to the judgment seat. He said, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ His coming? You remember when we started talking about this, we said that one of the results of supporting missionaries is that there's fruit to our account. Paul made it very clear that those people at Thessalonica were going to be part of the joy or the crown of rejoicing, he said, won't you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming. What I'm trying to say tonight is this, the people that are reached by the gospel, whether we do it ourselves or through those that we help, those missionaries that we assist and that are one to Christ on the field, that will be fruit to our account. Boy, it's an exciting thing here in this life when you get to see that sometimes, isn't it? While I was pastoring on different occasions, we had missionaries that came in and sometimes they would show their pictures and you could see the pictures of people that had been won on the mission field and boy, how exciting that is. But I remember one missions conference we had. There was a family came to be with us and the young lady was from Thailand. And as we began to talk to her, we found out that she was the product of the, the mission work of a man by the name of Burdine in that Thailand area. And we had supported him for all those years. And right there in our own church was a young lady that had been saved as a result of the ministry of one of our missionaries. She had married a young man and they were going back to the mission field together. Well, you talk about rejoicing. It's just like seeing a grandchild. You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm a great grandparent. And trust me, there's nothing in the world, if there's anything better than having grandkids, it's having great grandkids. But what a blessing it is to see your, 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 your family continuing on. And when we give and, and uh, sacrifice for the work of missions. Part of the reward is that there's fruit to our account. There are those that are, are want- have you ever wondered why that the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ does not take place till after the rapture? Now, Again, we don't have time tonight to go into all the prophetical implications of that, but I think one of the reasons why that's true is because the fruit that is placed to our account will not all be tallied up, if you will, until it's all over with. Because our ministries continue on, even after we've gone from this life. When we have helped missionaries get on the field, and they have won people to Christ, and those people have won people to Christ, and those people have won people to Christ, I believe that part of of what will, will be the fruit there at the judgment seat continues to grow, and continues to grow, and we'll never know the end result of it till we get to heaven. I'm simply saying to you tonight, when we support missionaries, there is fruit to our account. Let me give you a second thing. Look at verse number 18. Paul said in verse number 18, that first phrase, but I have all and abound. Can I say to you tonight, not only is there fruit to our account when we support missionaries, but second of all, missionaries have their needs met. Now listen to what I'm gonna say. Nowhere in the Bible is it written down Or is it even implied that missionaries have to do without to be successful? When they are faithful, and when we are faithful in our giving, all of their needs ought to be met. We should not be pleased when our missionaries are impoverished, and we should not be displeased when they are not impoverished. It should break our hearts, really. You know, some people seem to have the attitude, Lord, you keep them humble, and we'll keep them poor. And that's kind of the way we approach it. But remember this. In warfare, in warfare, the mantra is always that the front-line troops deserve the best. Because they're the ones that are right there and involved in the conflict. And if there are supplies, if there are needs, then those need to be made sure that it's met. Because if the frontline troops don't have it, then it begins to break down. And before long you've lost the war. And I'm simply saying to you this evening that there is no reason why our frontline troops ought not to have every need met. There's no reason why that, that, that they ought to have to suffer and do without just so we can brag about how sacrificial our missionaries are. We ought to make it our desire. Our desire ought to be that missionaries would have all of their needs that are met. You know, they're stepping out on some pretty shaky ground anyway. You know what they're going to the mission field on? They're going on the, to the mission field on the promise of the faithfulness of God's people. We talk about Paul, it'll be let down over that wall, those people that held the rope while he was let down. You understand, that's what we do with a mission. A missionary family comes and says, we'll go to Uruguay. Someone comes and says, we'll, we'll, we'll go to uh, some African nation. Someone comes and says, we'll go to, we'll go to some uh, South, uh, South American country. And we say, okay, you go, we'll hold the ropes. But let's be honest, folks, sometimes that's a little shaky. Because sometimes our faithfulness is not that reliable. It's amazing to me as a pastor over the years what I've seen in churches that how easily missionaries can be cast off the side, how easily missionaries can be forgotten, how easily a change in a pastorate can take place and all of a sudden all these missionaries are out and all these missionaries are in. And, and that happens sometimes, I understand. But you understand those guys that are out all of a sudden have their income cut. How do you and I feel? Maybe on your job where you're at, if they just came into you one day and say, hey, we're gonna cut your salary by a third. Hope you don't have any problems with that. We love you, praying for you, but we're cutting your salary by a third. I mean, I don't think we would react very well to that, would we? And yet sometimes that's the way we treat our missionaries on the field. I'm saying to you that when you and I support missionaries the way we ought to, first of all, there will be fruit to our account. But second of all, they will have all of their needs that are met. Let me give you a third thing. Look again at verse number 18. Paul said, But I have all and abound, I am full having received the Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, now watch this, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. When we support missionaries, it is a sacrifice acceptable. Now folks understand, one of the truths that runs through the scripture is that not all sacrifices are pleasing to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4, this statement is made. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. didn't say Cain didn't make a sacrifice. He just said it wasn't acceptable with God. And I think a lot of times there are people who are making sacrifices for things that are not acceptable sacrifices. When it comes to our relationship with God, we, we get moved solely. We see something on television that moves us. And and I'm not saying you shouldn't help various causes. And if you decide to do that, that's your own business. But we sometimes get moved by emotion. And we do things when really we never bothered to check it out. Never really bothered to find out what really was behind it, what really was being accomplished. And we make a sacrifice. But it was not a sacrifice acceptable as far as God was concerned. But you do understand that when we support Bible-preaching, Bible-believing missionaries, those who have gone to preach the gospel to a world that is lost. Paul said, it is a sacrifice acceptable. Please understand this. You'll never have to worry that you've wasted your money when you support missionaries the Bible way. Those who are sent out through their churches, those who are preaching the Bible, those who are winning souls to Christ, you'll never have to worry that you've, you've wasted your money. Now if you begin to make sacrifices for other causes, you may find out somewhere down the road that you have wasted. Your, you gave your money but you wasted it. It didn't go for what you thought it was gonna go for. It wasn't used the way you thought it was gonna be used. Now I'm not saying, now listen, listen closely. I'm not saying that occasionally a missionary doesn't mess up on the field, that's true. Just like sometimes preachers mess up here in this country and just like church members mess up sometimes here in this country. But I'm saying that when we're doing it the way that God outlined to do it in the Word of God, even if that missionary does mess up, it's still a sacrifice acceptable because we were doing it according to thus saith the Lord. Are you listening to me tonight? First of all, we found out this, that when we support missionaries, it's fruit to our account. We found out, second of all, that when we support missionaries, that they have their needs met. We found out, thirdly, that when we support missionaries, it is an acceptable sacrifice. Let me give you a fourth thing. Verse number 19, he said this, but my God shall supply all your needs, or your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that an encouraging promise? How many people have that on a plaque, perhaps in their home somewhere? How, how many folks have that written down someplace where they can see it all the time? But my God shall supply all your need. But you do understand that that promise like so many other promises in the Bible, has a clause attached to it, if you will. There there are conditions. You know, we know that the Bible uh, tells us that uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there is a clause in that. There is a condition in that. It's not that everybody is going to be saved. It's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that the Bible teaches us that God's eager to forgive our sin, even as a child of God. 1 John 1 9. He wants to forgive our sin, but there's a clause. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, when the Bible talks about the fact again that my God shall supply all your deed, you have to put that in context, don't you? Remember that little, one little phrase that, that to me has always been so important when I'm studying the Bible. Context is king. (laughs) It's just a way of reminding ourselves that you don't divorce a verse of Scripture from the context that it's in. And the context that you find verse 19 in is in the context of a people who are sacrificially giving for the cause of Christ. They are sacrificially giving to keep Paul on the mission field and doing what God's called him to do. And as a result, God says to them, because of your sacrifice for the cause of Christ, here's the deal. God's going to meet all your needs. His riches and glory. We have the promise from God tonight that He will meet our needs when we are sacrificially giving of ourself, giving of our possessions, giving of our time for the work and the ministry of missions. The church that I pastored in Ohio, before I went there, the pastor before me was my hero in the faith, Dr. Richard Folger. He's with the Lord now, but I, I loved him like a father. But when Dr. Folger went to Mansfield back in the early 70s, he did not realize the condition that the church was in. At that point, he was called to the local bank. When he accepted the pastorate and and moved into the area, the, the banker contacted him and told him, I need to see you. Brother Folger went to see the banker. And when he sat down across the table from the banker, the banker looked at him and said, you're from Kentucky, aren't you? Brother Folger said, yes, that's where I came from. He said, do you want some advice? Preacher said, sure, I could use advice. He said, put your furniture back on that truck and go back to Kentucky, because we're going to foreclose on that church. He says, the worst thing you can do, any bank could ever do in a community is to foreclose on a church, but we don't have any choice. They owe everybody in the community. There's a building had been built, a gymnasium that, there, there, there was a misappropriation of funds. Money was used in different ways and wasted. The pastor had gotten involved in an immoral affair and had left. And I mean, the thing was just in turmoil. It was in turmoil. Well, the banker went back and checked Brother Folger's record. He pleaded with the banker to give him a chance. The banker went back and checked Brother Folger's record from the church he'd been before. He saw he'd always been faithful, so they gave him an opportunity. And the church began to make great sacrifice to catch up. But during that entire time, Many people came to Brother Folger and said, Preacher, we need to cut our missionaries off and use that money to pay for our bills. Now listen to what I'm going to say. Brother Folger said, we cannot do that. We cannot. And during that entire time, when they were trying to recover from the terrible, they had a meeting, Brother Folger called a meeting of all the church and all the school parents. We had a Christian school at that time, about 300 kids. He called a meeting of everyone, and he just laid it out to them. He said, here's where we are. We have to have, at that time, I think it was like 60-some thousand dollars, like tomorrow, in order to keep this thing afloat. The people that night pledged over $70,000. This was in the early 70s now, by the way. Probably a couple of hundred thousand, at least by today's standards. But the people pledged that money And they were able to keep it afloat and eventually brought it out of debt. But during that entire time, Brother Folger said this, he said, we will never cut back on our missionaries. And they continued to support and continued to be involved in mission work. You know what happened? God blessed that church. Nine years ago, when I resigned and left the church, we owed nobody anything. We had multi-billion dollar buildings, a building, a gymnasium, Uh, educational wing, the whole nine yards, multiple buildings. There was absolutely no debt on any of it. And we had over a half a million dollars in the bank. You know why? Because a preacher said, missions is our lifeline. It's our lifeblood. You know what? Same thing happens to you and I sometimes, doesn't it? When we get in a financial strap, what's the first thing we do? Well, the first thing we do is we cut back on our giving. That's the worst thing you can do. The promise of God is give it. It shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be given. And so what do we do? We cut back on our giving, and all of a sudden we can't figure out why we can't get out of debt. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What I'm saying tonight is this. When we give to missions, are you listening? When we sacrificially give to missions, we have God's promise that He shall supply all of our need according to To his riches, not according to what we have, but according to his riches in glory. So when we give to missions, first of all, it's fruit to our account. Second of all, missionaries have their needs met. Thirdly, it is an acceptable sacrifice. Fourthly, it ensures that our needs will be met. And then finally, in verse number 20, it brings glory to God. He said in verse number 20, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In what context? In the context of this church that it's sacrificially given to keep the apostle Paul out there preaching the gospel. It brought glory to God. The ultimate purpose of man is to glorify God. But it's always funny to me how that when we start talking about that sort of thing, what we think that involves. What what do we think involved in, in glorifying God? Does that mean we come to church and we sing some songs about glorifying God? Well, that's part of it. Does that mean that you know, we, we wave our arms or we, you know, we, we shout or whatever, that, that, that could be part of it. But when the rubber meets the road, as the old commercial used to say, when, when, when the, the truth comes down to it, part of glorifying God is being willing to trust God. And a part of trusting God is being willing to sacrifice for the closest thing to his heart. And there's nothing closer to the heart of God than missions. Remember what we talked about this morning? Acts chapter 1, Jesus going up into heaven, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, under the uttermost part of the earth. The last words he spoke to his church on this earth. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. This work of missions is an important thing. It gets more important all the time because there's more and more people in the world that need the gospel. And there are fewer and fewer people all the time that are willing to sacrifice for the gospel to go forth. I'm just simply saying to you tonight, the Bible's very clear that when we give to missions, we have God's promise that it's an acceptable sacrifice. And we have God's promise that He will supply all of our need according to His riches and glory. And it will bring glory to God. I think that's what all of us want tonight. We want our lives to bring glory to the God that loved us and gave Himself for us. Let's pray together. Father, this evening we're so grateful to you for the way you love us. We're thankful for your word, for the truth of it, for the simplicity of it, for the, the, the lessons that we can learn Lord, I thank you that you have proved your word over and over in our lives. And I know in the lives of many of these dear people as well that you are faithful. God, when we put first in our life what you put first, then Lord, you bless and you supply. Thank you for it. I pray now, God, that in the days to come, as this church prepares for their grace giving, they prepare to decide what they believe you'd have them to do in this next year. I pray, God, you'd move on their heart. Help each one of them, Lord, each one of them to just simply spend some time and just to say, Lord, what can I do to honor you in this next year? What can be a sacrifice, Lord, that's acceptable in your sight? Lord, thank you again for your love. And bless this evening, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.